Welcome to the House on Fire podcast. Our aim is to light a fire for Jesus in the homes of those who listen through encouragement and equipping. Let's partner together to advance the gospel in the next generation. I am your host, Lucas Jackson, and I am passionate about seeing more people on fire for Jesus. When you listen to the House on Fire podcast, you'll hear from people you can rub shoulders with every week at Bethel Church, because all of our guests are from our church family. These are people striving to love God, love others, and to serve the world. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast and excited to have Glenn on today. Glenn, thanks for joining us, man. Good to be here. Excited to be here. Absolutely, brother. Well, tell us about yourself and your family. Well, I got uh, married late in life. I met uh, Mindy, my wife, through my uh, sister and her church. Okay. And um, it'll come up a little bit later as we talk about failures, but I was in a relationship for Almost seven years. Okay. And, um, you know, that ended up um, ending not in marriage. And um, so, oh, is that me? That's you, brother. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Okay. Um, so, ended that relationship and really didn't want to get involved that much in, in uh, dating somebody again. And my sister said, oh, you've got to meet this girl sings and she's great. She's a teacher. And, um, yeah. so long story short, Mindy, uh, and I, we met, we had our first date in, uh, May. We were engaged 28 days later, married, uh, three months later, oh my word. had uh, our first son nine and a half months <laughs> later. And, uh, we've been going at it and going for it since then. So we've got four boys, Connor, Carter, Carson, and Caden, Connor's 20, works full-time for Shields here in in Fargo. Yeah. Carter's a senior this year, playing baseball for Moorhead. Uh, Carson is going to be 16, going to get his license. He plays football and baseball. Yeah. And then there's our little uh, spark plug, Caden, at the end, our our 10-year-old. So, yeah. you know, when, when we first named Connor, uh, my wife let me choose the name and then, no, no, we chose the Connor together. Okay. And then our second uh, boy, Carter, she goes, well, you can choose that. And I went, okay, do we keep it with the C's? Do we not? Because I came from a family with Greg, Gail, Gretchen, Glenn. Oh, man. And then Faith and Heather. I don't know if my mom and dad couldn't <laughs> figure another G. But so that, that uh, you know, history of yeah. having first names that, that started each other. So we just went with it. And I, I mess them up. It's funny. It's a daily occurrence. I'll be looking right at Carter and I'm going, Carson, why don't you listen to me? And he's going, because you're calling me Carson, dad. I'm Carter. So, you know, that's why we don't have a dog. I don't want to get a dog because otherwise it'll be one more name I'm going to uh -huh, uh -huh. have to mix up. But uh, four boys. I grew up with four sisters and a brother. So I've always said that, um, you know, don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor, that he'll give me four sisters. My brother was the oldest one. So literally I felt like I grew up with just four girls in the house and my mm. dad was gone all during the week as an over the road truck driver. And so it was really four girls, my mom and me. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, we love life with four boys. Uh, Mindy, my wife homeschools 
all four of the boys, and uh, we live in Moorhead um, and yeah. uh, love the area, the community, everything about it. Yeah, awesome, man. And what do you do for work, Glenn? So I direct the Upward Sports program, yeah. and uh, Upward Sports is the largest Christian recreational sports league in the world. So mm. they have close to a half a million kids that play either basketball or volleyball, uh, flag football, baseball, uh, one of those sports. Its mission, Upward's mission, is to promote the discovery of Jesus through sports. So. Yeah. They use sports as a way to draw people into the church, yeah. and it's a great way for churches to connect with family because sports will do that. Yeah. So uh, we came up here to Fargo-Moorhead because of that. Uh, it was growing. The program was to the point where the pastors decided we really need to get somebody here um, full-time to do it. And God just led us. God brought us from Florida, okay, sunny Florida, <laughs> uh, to Fargo-Moorhead, and uh, that was back in 2017. Okay. So run that program full-time. I also run a side business of a moving business. My dad, as I stated a little earlier, is an over-the-road or was the over-the-road truck driver, so that's kind of in my blood. Yeah. So uh, I do that on the side, and it funds— just some of the ministry uh, shortfalls that we have. It brings income in yeah. into that, but I love it. Love the variety. I just love not knowing what my day is going to consist of every day. Yeah, for sure. And if somebody were to you know look out for you on campus here on a Sunday morning or something, what, what service do you and your family normally attend? Yeah, we usually go to the second service, 1045 service. Okay. Um, At the Fargo campus yep, here? Fargo campus. We go out once in a while again. Um, I've been in ministry since 1991. I've got a music background. My wife was a music teacher, so we'll go out once in a while and lead worship out at Kindred. That's always fun. Yeah, uh, a lot of families out there that we know. Uh, but yeah, usually 10:45 service, uh, and um, once in a while we'll go early service. But I like I like having a little time Sunday morning to to uh, sleep in and sip some coffee. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And are you guys a part of a life group, a small group, or just a group of people that are pursuing Christ together? Yeah. So that was something that um, is a hard thing for us, just with our schedule. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Four boys. Because and... four boys, but then with Upward going on, you know, we really can't commit to like once or twice a month or whatever. We have a group of three other couples. We just got together with them uh, to celebrate my wife's birthday on Thursday night. Awesome. Um, so there's three couples that we get together with. It's a little bit... Uh, off for a couple, three months while Upward is going on, and then we get together throughout the summer. So, yeah, that's um, yeah, a, it's a great group. We had that down in Florida when we were there. We had that out in Wyoming when we served, and I served as a pastor out there. So uh, that's been a, a huge part of our life. Yeah. And, uh, we again, growing up with young kids, it was just a natural thing for us to gravitate toward families with young kids, and we just would form a small group that way and meet together. And it worked out really well. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, the conversation today we're going to have is don't allow past failures to define who you are in the present. And so how, how have you allowed past failures to define you, mm. you know, uh, over the years? Yeah. So this came up uh, part of Upward. We do a devotion or a, a teaching of a biblical virtue at every practice and at yeah. every game. 
and um, it, it one of them was the idea of of guilt and mm-hmm. what do you do with guilt and it was the idea and it was it was an object lesson with the rear view mirror and it's like you've ever noticed in a car how the rear view mirror is you know it's maybe what nine ten inches long and maybe two or three inches high yeah the the size of that rear view mirror compared to your windshield yeah and and just that visual idea of let's concentrate on what's ahead of you not worrying so much about what's behind you and mm. so that was kind of the truth but um you know as a 50 plus year old guy a lot of failures in my life and and when I knew we were going to come together and talk a little bit about this I've there's been about four or five major failures mm. in my life that have really taught me and and shaped me into who I am and what I do yeah. um, even even now. Um, and most of them focus on ministry and failures in that. I, I uh, entered full-time ministry at the age of 25, single guy, um, you know, and I just made just made a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, but the failures, some of them the biggest ones happened to be when I was, a school administrator. I was a Christian school administrator, and we were going through some hard times. That was back in 2008, 2009, when the economy was tanking, yeah. and um, people were losing their jobs. And you know, obviously, when they look at their budget, they say, "Okay, well, what, what can we do to cut our costs?" Well, how about private education? Right? Mm. Here's this big chunk of money that we're paying to go to private school. How about if we just, you know? pull our kids and go to public and and save all of that. So that was yeah. a hard, whether it was my fault or not, that was a failure to, by the time we left, the school ended up having to fold mm. and close. And uh, the church had moved and bought this old school building and built a worship center onto it. But the whole purpose of it was to, you know, have this Christian school. And so then on my watch and on my clock, it closed. Mm. And so that was a a hard thing uh, for me and trying to realize about what I did wrong or, God, what are you trying to teach me? And um, I think what, what really uh, got me on that one is I was just trying to do way too many things. We were having to cut staff and we were having to do different things. And I was covering for this and covering for that. I mean, I was cleaning toilets at night just because we couldn't afford custodians and all this kind of stuff that took me off of why God had put me there Mm. to lead that school and to teach uh, these students in a godly way. And so that was a a huge uh, part of failure for me. As I shared on a personal level, dated a girl for seven years and uh, ups and downs of all of that, desired to marry her, at least I thought. Um, But for one reason or not, you know, many other reasons, it did not happen, yeah. and um, a painful thing. Going, God, what what did I just spend seven years doing? What I mean, what <laughs> what do I have out of it? And yeah. looking back on it, it just happened to be a time that that if I would have met Mindy, my wife now, during one of those seven years that I was dating this other girl, she wasn't ready. She was dealing with some physical type of uh, issues and having to do things, and she just wouldn't have been ready. So I look back at that and say, God. You were keeping me in a relationship with a girl for seven years that you knew wasn't going to end in marriage, but you were saving me Mm. for your perfect time 
to meet Mindy when I was 32 yeah. and she was 30. So um, that that's a, a an awesome look back on, on, you know, we make plans and God laughs, you know, because it's like, I got plans for you, you know, yeah. for, for I know the plan that I have for you declares the Lord. And so uh, that was a, a really a, a turning point in my life. And um, then uh, we served out in, in ministry out in, in Wyoming, the least populated state in America where there's more <laughs> antelope than people. Hey, that's, Very, not, that's not a bad thing. No, that's it's not. not. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. And our kids loved it. Our boys loved it. Riding horses and, you know, catching trout in mountain streams. It was, it was great. But there was a time when we were going through um, some changes. The church was growing and they're just... There was just some things that I handled wrong with people and a relationship that I didn't focus on with some of the other staff and found myself really um, alienated mm -hmm. from the other people and um, ended up leaving uh, that ministry and going to Florida. Right after that, the senior pastor who we kind of butted heads with, he and I, he ended up leaving uh, a few months later. And it's like, well, if I would have known he was going to go, I probably would have stayed and we could have mm -hmm. healed this and moved forward. But looking back, you know, God then brought us to Florida where I was able to really heal for a long time. My brother was a senior pastor, is a senior pastor there. It allowed us just to go and to be healed mm -hmm. with all the hurt and the stuff that happened back in Wyoming. And then that's where I was introduced to Upward. Um, and then that in turn brought us up here. So looking back on these failures about where they brought us and how painful they were, incredibly painful, losing sleep. I mean, just, yeah. I can take you right to a spot. It was a, a little, uh, a river under a bridge, but there was a little gravel driveway and I would just go and I would sit there for hours because I just didn't want to be in the church office. There was just so much going on. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there for hours and saying, God, what are you what are you doing? What do you have for me? Um, and just really trying to figure out what what God was going to do and when he was going to do it. Um, so that that's still, when we drive by the way, go back and visit. I, I look at that place all the time and, and just realize what God and how, that's really where I met God in those dark, dark days. Yeah. And, and how did you, what was it where, you know, these things have happened and you know, are you carrying the burden of those for, for, you know, a few decades down the road? I mean, obviously you don't forget that stuff right. and it defines us for good or bad. Right. There's some pros that come out of right. things like this. And so was it, was it where the, in many ways this kind of defined you or even in your mind, maybe, maybe you didn't communicate that way to the people, but just inwardly, right. you know, like what, what was that like? Yeah. I think back to dating uh, the girl for seven years, part of the relationship, the issue of the relationship was a very strong mom. Uh, her mother was very strong and controlling. And so what happened was when we broke up and then I met Mindy, I was so, um, that was such a huge part of, of uh, my past relationship that I, I shut Mindy's mom off, even to the point, not that I didn't let her, plan the wedding, but I made very, very sure that mm. this wedding was going to be what Mindy wanted, not what her mom wanted. See, that was just a carryover For sure. from that past relationship. And so 
there, you know, I feel horrible now because I love my mother-in-law and she's not like what I thought she was. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's painful for me to realize that I I took from my mother-in-law mm. the days of all the joys of planning a wedding with her only daughter, only daughter, and I and I shut that off because of of the past relationship and yeah. and so I just um you know that that's very clear to me how how when you don't deal with things and when you don't really grasp it how it can have a very negative effect and um that that's hard for me even today to realize man I just I messed that up yeah I I I, I did um but how, how long did it take you for you to recognize that yeah. You know, because I, I could easily see that happening or, you know, and even looking back on failures in my life, but I don't recognize that stuff for yeah. years down the road. Yeah. I, you know, again, I went through a lot of self-analysis after, you know, I just wasted seven years of my life. This was before I met Mindy. There's about four or five months in between the breakup and, and my first date with Mindy. So yeah. that was just this idea of what, what in the world happened to me? What these, mm. what God, what do you, what did you choose and what, or how did I choose and what 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 are you trying to teach me through all of this, um, in in those in those four months? Yeah. But the the guilt of uh, of just questioning because I wanted to be married. I came from a big family, going to all these family gatherings, and I'm got nieces and nephews, and I'm the best uncle, and I'm drive away going, yeah, I'm a great uncle, but I could really be a great dad too. Mm-hmm. God, what what are you doing? I'm thirty years old, and I'm in ministry. I really need someone alongside me to help a helpmate. And, um, you know, but little did I know, just a few months down the road, God was going to bring my life or bring Mindy into my life and, and the rest is history there. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I look back and, and try to be really, uh, I'm not an analytical person, but I'm always sitting there going, okay, what, what, what went wrong? What went right? What can I do better now in, in the next situation or the next relationship? God, what are you trying to teach me? Yeah. So I don't do it again. Yeah. Have you ever had a follow up conversation with your mother in law about that? Um, you know. Yeah, I don't. I not personally. Okay. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's been in a group type of setting, and there was an apology toward the end as I got to know her. Yeah. Not the end, but the end of planning for the wedding. That gotcha. I just realized, boy, mm. she's she's an awesome woman, and and I finally kind of let it down and and let her be a part of the last, uh, you know, months of, of planning the wedding. But man, to start out with, mm. Mm, I, I was going to control, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let this, uh, <laughs> mother control me. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, we've sir. got a great relationship now. She calls me, uh, her favorite son-in-law because I am her only son-in-law. Yeah. So it's easy for her to say that, but we've got a great, great relationship. And, and yeah, she, I think she understood what, what uh, was going on in my heart and my mind at that time. Yeah, no, for sure. What are some scripture passages that have really helped you the most when it comes to, you know, looking back on on past failures or things that you wish you had done differently? And so what are some of those passages that have really helped you um, navigate that, process that? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I just start thinking about, you know, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the trust in the Lord with all your heart, to lean not under to your own understanding, to all your ways, acknowledge him. And so, you know, to just trust him and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. And, and it's easy to, 
to do that now. I, I'm, I'm if I'm honest, I wasn't doing it right away. Yeah, you know, when something painful happens or when you know the relationship didn't end the way that I or ended the way not the way I wanted, it wasn't okay. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you and God. I mean, it took time, and I think that's my my biggest learning point out of this is that it's going to take time. It's not like just a decision you can make to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move on now. And I've learned from this and, and, and move on. Um, but that, that was a, a big, uh, verse for me. And then, um, again, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you mm-hmm. declares the Lord, good plans, plans that will prosper you. And, 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 you know, it's, don't get into this idea that, you know, this prosperity, gospel kind of thing. No, it was just yeah. that that I just know and knew that um, I knew his plan for me was perfect. Mine wasn't, mm-hmm. and that I needed to lean on that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, I had a, a, a quote in the, in, in the front page of my Bible, the very first day I got it, my first day of college, and it said, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Mm-hmm. So this idea that, you know, sleepless nights, which is when really Satan can get you, right? Mm. And can just start messing with your mind. Never doubt in the dark what God showed you or what God told you in the light. So God, you told me that you have plans that are good for me and that are going to cause me to prosper. That's what you're telling me. And I need to remember that at night when Satan can have a hold uh, on you at those times. But that's... um, Two or three big verses, two verses and, and, a, and, a, and a quote. Um, my life verse has always been Roman, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of yeah. the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone. So this idea that I'm not ashamed and I'm not a perfect person, uh, one thing I like to live by in, in both here with Upward and all of the times I've been in ministry, I'm here to serve, not to please. Mm. And this idea that I'm not going to please everybody and that that kills me. I, I'm a people pleaser, right? I want to please people. I want to meet people's needs. Mm-hmm. And when I don't do that, um, that's hard for me. It's hard for me when, you know, people don't even have to ask me. Maybe they're just sharing about something that's going on. And immediately my mindset is, okay, how can I meet that need, mm-hmm. right? I think yeah. you're a lot like that, Lucas, oh, yeah. start time, right? Oh, We're just yeah. always trying to meet people's needs. And that at times can, can just put an incredible burden um, on us as men, because it's happened yeah. in our marriage. And this was something that was still something that we really work on is I'll come home and I'll just be exhausted. Right. And I'll just be exhausted. Mindy's trying to take care of the kids, keep the kids quiet or whatever, or make dinner. And then I'll just be so exhausted. But then somebody will call and it's like a switch inside me. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, you need me to come. Okay. I'll be right there. And all of a sudden she watches me transformed from this person that was utterly exhausted to, man, I'm full. I'm jumping in the truck and I'm going here to help this or help this person or whatever it be. Um, But this idea that I just desire to serve people and to, you know, try to meet needs all the time. And that can really lead to uh, failure in other relationships. And it can be a huge stumbling block in, in my marriage, which it has been. Yeah. And I've had to be really aware of. Yeah, you. I have that in common with you, Glenn. I, <laughs> I'm the same. I the way you described it is yep. like to a T. And my wife, a few times in our marriage, has said, um, 
you, you will bend over backwards mm-hmm. for the world mm-hmm. and and the you know matter of a few seconds yeah. but you won't do that for our family and it's and and it's really you know it's this idea of meeting people's needs which is what is at the heart of why I love being and have been in ministry since you know 20 some years I just love meeting the needs of people yeah. and realize that and maybe they don't even know they need it but I do and I and I want to yeah. and I want to help them and so that is what has made my ministry and and um the shepherding part of the pastorate very effective because I just desire to meet and help people and that's going to draw them both to me but have an opportunity for me to draw them closer to Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, just it makes me think just the question in my mind, it, is it possible to to live a life and have zero failures? <laughs> and I think to myself, I don't think that's no possible. Way. No. I, even as a non-believer, can you live a life and have zero failures? Absolutely not. Even as a believer who loves the Lord and trying to live for Christ, is it possible to to honor the Lord in every way you possibly can and to have no failures? Yeah. And, and, and it's just not. Yeah, and how are you going to learn without the failures, right? Think of, a, of an athlete. Think about, you know, how, how am I going to learn to truly catch the ball or run the ball unless I realize, oh, I can't catch it like this because this is a terrible way. You know, you, you, you get better simply by, by failing yeah. and then making that correction. But, yeah, I, I don't, man, I, I'd be shocked to find anybody that would say that they haven't failed. I mean, I— it's like, okay, just ask the person closest to them. If they're not going to admit what their <laughs> failure is, um, yeah. you know, ask, ask their girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever. They'll tell you. Yes, sir. They'll tell you. And you hit, you've talked a little bit about it, but how have you seen kind of focusing on your passive failures? How have you seen that affect your, your, your marriage and even your family, you know, your time, as a dad? And, um, yeah. I, you know, let's lean in a little bit with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back to, to, uh, to what I shared before, again, uh, as a pastor, which I've been for 20 plus years, you know, it's, it's never a nine to five job, right? Yeah. You know that. It's not Monday through Friday or, you know, pastors only work one day a week on Sundays. That's it. You know, you're always, you're one call away and I can't let my calls go to voicemail. That's just, just can't do it. I gotta, I gotta answer them. Right. And so yeah. this idea that I'm always willing and able to meet the needs of people um, in the church or around me, but am I really looking and aware of um, of the needs of my family, my wife? And um, my wife is is kind of the kind of person that's not going to uh, inconvenience you. Mm-hmm. She's going to want to please and serve me, um, no matter the consequence. So um, I've had to really uh, try hard, and I've learned after twenty one years of marriage that sometimes the best thing I can do, and I really try to do it now is just to sit and listen. You know, she'll be cleaning up or doing something in the kitchen. I'll just come and sit, sit at the table and just talk and have those times together. Yeah. Um, because I'm a night person. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a night person. She is. And so by about nine o'clock, I am, <laughs> I'm down. Right. And so we don't have that time at night yeah. to focus on our day or whatever. And, you know, when I'm bright and early at 6 a.m., she's not. So yeah. we have to really work uh, on that. We were really good back in Wyoming where we tried to to uh, have uh, prayer time together and as a family at lunchtime. Because that was the one time we found that we were 
pretty much together as a homeschool family. Yeah. Evenings got to be crazy with sports and with meetings for me at the church. And we tried to really, uh, to, to make that a priority. And that was good. That was something to look forward to. But I, I've learned, um, you know, obviously I know what my failures are. My wife knows what my failures are. I know what hers are. Um, and so, you know, you, you learn and try to be very sensitive about making sure that um, you don't say the right, wrong thing or approach things uh, the wrong way because you know that, you know, my wife doesn't need to be told that she did something wrong. She knows it, right? And so I'm, I, don't, I don't need to sit there and tell her and hash that out. But a lot of times I just got to shut up, right? Mm, I just yeah. got to listen and um, not give advice. That's the men, the man thing that we always try to do. We try to give advice, um, but I've tried to be really a listener. But the failures of the past uh, and ministry, um, it's, I struggle with it when I don't feel like I've met the needs of someone or if I've failed somebody. Uh, we have a, a gentleman right now, and, and he's down here for school. And I was really looking forward to having a good relationship with him and getting to be close to him and maybe bring him closer to Christ because he was a little bit away from that, and it's not happening. Mm. And that's hard for me. I, I, I want to I please his parents because his parents are hoping that I can bring him back and really draw him to yeah. closer to Christ, and it's not happening. And so this idea that, not, that I'm failing, but I'm just not reaching him the yeah. way that I thought I would and that they would at all hoped. So that's something that— um, a failure that's that's currently going on, but you know, get two boys, one boy that's Connor that's getting married in April, and you can look and you can say, "Man, we should have done this, or could have done this, or you know, um, we moved, we moved countless times, right? Uh, we yeah. spent the majority of our life in Minnesota, and then we moved to Wyoming, and then in Florida, and then up here to Fargo, and then I mean to Moorhead. Um, so the failure of just uprooting my family. Because of ministry uh, changes, that that's hard. Yeah. Um, you know, Connor, our oldest, was a a great football player, but because of where we moved, you know, he never got to to be a part of a team. I really never got to go all the way through um, the football program because he was always getting uprooted and moving. Yeah, and uh, we're experiencing that now with our second and third one. But they've been here more at all the way now for the last six years. And that's just something that Connor never got. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just where God was God was taking us. And um, I, I still look back and it's perfect timing. We are where we are. And we joke about, uh, would you, where would you want to go? Would you want to go back to live in Minnesota? I mean, down in the Twin Cities where we were. Would you want to go to Wyoming again? Would you want to go to Florida? Mm. Or do you like it here? And, you know, we just, we, we just look back and just say, well, you know, if we wouldn't have been here you know, Connor wouldn't have bet his fiance, right? Mm. Wouldn't have done that. And, you know, we just look back and say how God brought us to each of those points, but all of us would say we we wouldn't go back. We 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 want to be here. Yeah. And we love it here. So would you say that, you know, despite the failures, frustrations, and all the things that have come come throughout your lifetime, if you had the the ability to take it away would you take away the pain or the, the failures that you've had? Yeah, I, you know, selfishly, I would say I'd love to not have the pain, 
but I wouldn't be here today yeah. without that. I mean, yeah. without those failures. Um, so, you know, looking back, it drew, it drew Mindy and I, uh, together as, as a, as a couple, um, it, it strengthened my relationship with my brother cause he was a phone call away and could talk with him. It strengthened uh, my relationship with my in-laws because my father-in-law was a pastor, a lay pastor, but we would bounce things off and I go, oh, man, I just feel like I'm failing. And he goes, Glenn, you're not. And so that was affirming. So there's a lot of this stuff that, um, yeah, I wish, I wish away the pain for sure, but without the failure and uh, the sharpening that took place, um, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to somebody who, who is having a hard time letting go of past hurt and failure and they're really letting that define who they are? What, what encouragement or wisdom would you say to that person? Mm. You know, there's that simple statement of let go and let God. And that's so easy to say, right? It preaches well, as we say, <laughs> yes, you know, sir. that preaches well. But this idea that trying to, to let go, one of the biggest things that I did uh, through the, specifically the the church, it was a split literally out in Wyoming and the pastor's leaving and and um, it was, it was a, a bad situation. But um, I had kept all of the emails and the correspondence when things were going, mm-hmm. were going pear-shaped and going south. And I just looked at those and go, why? I mean, why do I keep that stuff? Mm-hmm. Why do I even reread that? So I went through and erased all those because I'll just be searching for something and I'll click and something will match with an email from yeah. before and I'll read it and I'm going, oh man. And then all of a sudden, the guilt. So for me, the biggest thing is just trying to get rid of everything that connected you with that failure, mm. right? And, um, you know, not not to say relationships and shutting the doors on relationship, but just yeah. to get rid of things like that and to realize um, that, because it, you know, the passage that just, you know, to get everything off us that so easily entangles us, right? Because Satan can use that. One word, one, you know, uh, situation, one phrase of an email that someone says that hurt me, man, it just opens the flood doors. Yeah. And so, um, you know, trying to to release that and, and, and trying to, again, back to that visual thing of the rearview mirror and the windshield, let's focus on what's ahead of us, not what's behind us. God's yeah. got amazing things in front of us. Um, but if we choose and if we let ourselves, whatever those trigger points, and believe me, we all have the trigger points. We yeah. know what will bring us back to that failure. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it, whatever it might be. For me, like I said, it was the chain of all the emails and the texts back and forth. And once I got rid of that, I found myself not getting entangled, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm working and, and have the the hurt and the pain come back as soon as I see even someone's name, right? I knew what that email was about. So having that gone was a a huge thing for me. Yeah, for sure. Is it really a problem to to allow past failures to define us? I mean, is it really a big deal? You know, because maybe somebody, there's a lot of a lot of people I think that would allow things to define them. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, you know, it's almost like it's a it's a pet you know, that yeah. you've had your whole life and you just, and so I just was processing like, is it really that big of a deal to deal with, with the guilt and frustration of past failures? Yeah. I think the key thing you said, Lucas, is to let it define us and, and it, we cannot let it define us. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, we all have fallen short, right? All of us. Yeah. And this idea that, um, you know, we're going to let it, it define us. No. Will it, will it shape us? It is who some, it is who we are, right? Every failure we have is, is something that, that is a part of us, but not to define me. I am not a failure. I am yeah. not, uh, somebody that, that, uh, is, is, um, you know, impatient or unkind, you know, which, which have, are things that have come in the past, in past situations. I am, that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it yeah, not to define me, but, but to realize it, it is always going to be a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you can, uh, I love that verse, right? That talks about to, 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 to put away what so easily entangles us, right? So it's there. It's always going to be there, hmm. but just avoid it. Don't, you know, if I see a, a rope in the middle of the road, I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid it, right? Because I don't want to get all yeah. tangled up. And so the sin that can so easily entangle us, the guilt and the shame that comes with all of our failures, if we choose to... To, to allow it to entangle us, it will, but it always will be a part of us, and it should be that we'll always look back, and, and I know that every time I you know, approach a situation, I'm going to approach it differently because of past mistakes and failures. Does it yeah. define me? No, but it is something that's going to cause me to be more refined um, going forward when I face that situation. Yeah. What have been some hacks that have helped you the most in dealing with past failures, or maybe even the creeping up of past failures that you need to need to deal with? Yeah, and and so much of it is just to to just cry out right away. And and, and I have great times of driving. I miss that out in Wyoming. I had a thirty five minute drive into church mm. every day. We uh, you know lived way out in on a ranch for a long time, and just you know I know when it's coming. We know. Right, we know when it's starting to filter yeah. up and just come in and say, "Lord, I need you to take it away. I need you to release these. Fill me with thoughts of of of, of your love and your plan for me, and um, just recognizing it. And now, just thinking I can just push it down, push it down, push it down. Um, the other hack, like I mentioned, about getting rid of of, of old emails yeah. and anything that's going to cause you know and trigger uh, that. And I've actually, um, again, some people, again, going back to Wyoming, uh, people that are, I've got great friendships still with, I've asked them, you know what? Let's not talk about that. When you and I talk mm. about mm. our times and, and whatever, let, let, let's not talk about this yeah. or that or this person. That's going to trigger it for me. And so, um, you know, when you have that, kind of mutual understanding. Yeah. It goes a, a long, long way. And you can form an awesome friendship. And you don't, you know, it's like, you know, when you're in, in a conversation with someone and you're going, okay, is it going to come up? Is it not? Are they going to bring it up? Mm. Or, you know, and when you know it's not going to, right? Oh, man, yeah. Oh, the freedom to enjoy that and to yeah. just enjoy that relationship because you're not getting ready for, you know, the topic or or, yeah. or whatever that might come. Well, then every time you think of that person, if yeah. you're with them or not, I'm like, oh, they're, you know, oh, then, then I think of that scenario. Right. And then if I'm physically with them, then I'm like, that's what I'm thinking about yeah. the whole time. And it's a distraction. Yeah. And you're always worried about 
you know, what the person thinks and, and it's, mm. you read way into what they say or what they don't say or what yeah. they do. You know, if you let somebody down, okay, are they, you know, are they, do they, do they like me? Do they not? Do they want to be, you know, my friend or, or whatever? You're always worried and being way, way too, um, you know, looking into, into yeah. way too deep because you're so worried about the acceptance of that person or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's like we create a narrative that probably doesn't exist. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. and it, it can really mess with our minds like crazy doing that. It can, and I, I think that um, it, it just it, it it just shuts off so much of what that relationship with that person could be yeah. because we're just not we're not free. We're not uh, back and forth. We're just always have our guard up, which um, it's it, it's a self protection. Kind of thing, yeah. Um, but I also think another hack is is to try to create relationships that aren't affiliated or aren't mm. connected to whatever it might be. Um, you know, that's what's been great about here is that nobody knows yeah. uh, what happened in Wyoming or Minneapolis or whatever. Yeah, and so there's great freedom in that. Um, but yet, you also <laughs> you also have to be careful that you you know don't you don't just start failure, start other relationships because you don't want to deal, yeah, you know, maybe with sure. your your past failure. You, you just try to move on from, you know, different communities where people aren't going to know your past failures. For sure. No, absolutely. I, I, that's well said. I think oftentimes we can use other relationships to mm. try to cope when we really need to take the time to repent, ask for forgiveness, mm. mend relationships as best we can, and not don't carry that around with you the rest of your life, you yeah. know? Yeah, and it is. And just to realize, yeah, not let we talked about before. Not let it to define you. Yeah. But it is going to shape who you are. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. It absolutely. is. I hope. I mean, I, I would hope that. I mean, I, I with my boys. I mean, I've. There's been incredible times they've let me down, and mm. and yet, you know, I will. I will never ever use that right to to show control or or whatever. But it, it's always going to be there. Yeah. Uh, but yet, my love for them is unconditional in the same way that Christ's love for us is is totally unconditional. Um, and so we don't have to worry about trying to please each other. But um yeah, I, I just I just think that that there's ways, and we know them, ways to make sure that you uh don't get sucked back in or get entangled once again with the the sin or the the feeling or the whatever, you know, the shame, the guilt of 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 past failures. And, um, I'm a, I try to be a positive person, you know, and it's like, okay, well, this maybe didn't go the way I wanted, but eh, you know, so be it. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, don't think that, oh man, I just failed again. What did I do wrong again? Just, no, it's just, it is what it is. One of the great guys who was a, that I served under, you know, sometimes things always don't work well for, for, uh, for people in ministry. We, we had an issue with a secretary of mine, and we just we didn't work well together. And I just felt so guilty. Going, how can I not work? She's a great, mm. and and he just came and said, "Hey, sometimes it just doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. Let's just realize it." And and we've got a great re- relationship now, but that relationship, pastor and secretary, just wasn't a good fit, and that's fine. Yeah. But I just remember he came in and said, "Some, you know, don't expect everything." To be always be peaches, even in ministry and with between Christians, it's not going to work. Just move on, you yeah. know. So don't let it again come down on you all the time. 
and just say, okay, Lord, what's, what's ahead of me now, right? What's ahead of me? Yeah, for sure. How do we know if, if something is really a failure? And I've been thinking about this a little bit and because, I mean, I think there's a lot of things in my life that I'd be like, that's a failure, that's a failure, that's a failure. Now, if I genuinely make a mistake, well, then, yeah, like, there's there's a failure component right. to that. Right, but I, But I often think, like, things that I thought were serious and large failures then, and looking back, I'm like, okay, I don't think it was as big of a failure as I thought it was. Right, right. And so, how, how do we know if something is really a yeah. failure or not? And you know? Yeah, especially when your failure involves being let down by somebody or you letting someone down. When you're in the midst of that, oh, the guilt and the shame and the weight yeah. of that is just incredible, right? Yeah. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to you know where Satan can really get to us at night when we're you know trying to fall asleep and and just the guilt that can come. Um, but this this idea about the the failures. And and realizing that that ugh, you know it, 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 we're we're all going to fail, right? All of us. Um, but the true idea is that it, it's never as bad as you think it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look back on everything. I mean, even as a sports fan, you know, we got a terrible team, right? <laughs> you know, on Mondays after we're big Viking fans, we, that's one of the highlights of our week. All of us get together, boys come back, we watch Viking. You know, Monday, oh, we're just such a terrible team. We stink, you know? <laughs> and then by time Thursday and Friday, you know what? We're okay. We can win on Sunday. You yeah. know, it's never as bad, usually never as bad yeah. as you think of it. And it's raw. You know, we, we're, that's what happens with failure. It's raw right away. And um, I've learned, too, is when you deal with people that are like that. Um, I have a story. One of my cousins um, went to college, and he took off down, and he was going to surprise his girlfriend at her college, and he showed up, and she was with another guy. And he called me. And um, he goes, Glenn, I don't trust myself. I don't want to drive. Come down and get me. Okay, this is back to the story, like, okay, I'm going to go. Now, I was single at the time, so it was like quarter to one in the morning. It was mm-hmm. a three-and-a-half-hour drive. I drove all the way down there, picked him up. He was sitting on the curb, and he just goes, opens the door, and he goes, don't you dare tell me that everything is going to work out for mm-hmm. good. Don't tell me that. <laughs> he was so raw of yeah. the failure of what he felt. I mean, he'd been sitting on that curb for three-and-a-half hours thinking about all the things that he did wrong. Um, but, th- you know, when when you fail— or when someone fails you, it's raw. Yeah. You know, and just like any wound that we have, just give it time, you know, and uh, try to assess it. But from the person that is trying to minister to that person, if, and if you're trying to work with someone that's, that's dealing with that shame of failure, just, just give them time. But just being in, in your presence, don't feel like you have to answer everything, yeah. right? Yes, Us sir. men think that all the time. Well, oh, we got to yeah. fix it. We gotta, no. I just learned to just shut my mouth and listen when somebody is in that stage of just being raw after they've failed or someone has failed them because it will, it will get better. Yeah, for sure. You know, for those listening and, 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 you know, and they're thinking about you and your family, how can they be praying for you guys? Yeah, this is such a a unique uh, transition time for us. Um, You know, I I don't feel like, I'm old enough to be giving away my son or having my son get married, but I guess I am. But, you know, Connor went and uh, he only dated one girl and he's marrying her. And so our second son has really only had one serious girlfriend, but now he is going to go play baseball down at, at Augustana College. And we've never gone through that. So this new phase of our life 
is in, in trying to deal with, you know, he's going to be gone for four years. What's, what's yeah. that going to be? My, my boys have always been around and we've been apart. And so the transition that awaits us yeah. is hard. Yeah. Um, son's going to get married and he might move away and my other son's going to be gone for four months or four years. Um, our lives are going to change. Yeah. And so um, I used to be able to have them. They would come and they always were a part of Upward and played. And then when they got too old, then they were referees for me. They were always a part of Upward ministry. And now they're getting old, so older. Yeah. So that that isn't the way it used to be. And I look back and say, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I would have known how good it was back in the good old days when it was the good old days, right? Yes, and sir. so the transition of that mm-hmm. um, and just again, uh, again, uh, you know, I don't know what Melissa's like, but Mindy and I are just so different. You know, and I'm just an impulsive decision. You want to do it? Let's go. Okay. We want to do this? Let's do it. Where she needs, you know, process and time to think. And um, that's always going to be an issue in our marriage to where we just, as we make major decisions and whether it's colleges or all these different things for our, for our boys, you know, what, how we as a couple decide. Mindy's the kind of person that she doesn't need to always have it be her way. She just needs to be heard. Yeah. And I just, again, need to just listen and have the time. I'm always running high RPMs, right? Yes, and sir. I just got to slow down and listen and uh, try to be a, a helpful husband. But, you know, just in ministry where you're always trying to please people, um, you know, Upward is, is a successful numerically up here with 1,000 people, kids playing. But that's also, you know, many more people that are, that are probably going to get upset or mad or think I'm doing something wrong. It's more people to, you know, prefer to get mad at me in a sense. Uh, But I'm here to serve, not to please. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the House on Fire podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast activates your home for Jesus. May the light of Christ burn bright through you and yours. Until next time.